If you have your Bibles with you, let's go ahead and get them out right now. And uh, I want you to turn me to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not, the, not of the flesh, but have divine power. You get that? Divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. Father, I, th I thank you again for Brother and Sister Wells and their faithful obedience to your word over the years, their desire to help others grow in you and their natural love for your people, Father, to call them to you. And we pray that, Lord, you'd help us to be faithful to your word every day, help us to be uh, a people who understand how your kingdom works. Let us be a people, Father, who fight the fights we need to fight and don't fight fights we don't need to fight. Help us to be righteous before you and, Father, let your spirit lead us in all we do. In Jesus' name, amen. For the last uh, three months, I've talked to you about this, uh, this series on the Game Changer prayer, and I've tried to end it a couple of times, uh, the series, and we are going to bring this series to an end, but this emphasis on prayer uh, is just a call to our generation today. I hope, you, I hope you're getting this. This is a call to our times to understand how we fight the spiritual fight of the day, to understand that we are in a great conflict and that we need to be engaging in a, a, this spiritual battle. Uh, we've been talking to you about your personal prayer life and the challenge to make an appointment with God. If you haven't done that, why not? Why haven't you done it? Leonard Ravenhill, the great uh, evangelist and writer, said this. He said, prayer will make a man cease from sin, or sin will entice a man to cease from prayer. Prayer's hard work. Prayer takes dedication. Uh, and I would challenge you to begin. If you have, how's it gone? It won't always be easy, especially at first, but the call of this is for us to seek God. Remember, the real goal of prayer is not to get stuff. The real goal of prayer is intimacy with God and partnership in his purpose. For us to learn to grow in him and to know him, the greatest prize you'll win on this earth is the one that Christ has won for you that gives us the opportunity to know God and walk in his presence. Now, if you've had a hard time keeping your appointment, maybe because of a busy schedule or, or tiredness or whatever, uh, the only thing I would tell you is maybe you need to, adjust, need to adjust the time of your appointment. But if you haven't made one, you need to make an appointment with God and begin to seek him. A Christian is someone who has put their faith in Jesus to be their Savior. That starts there. But the second part is more challenging, and they put their trust in Jesus to be their Lord. 
Both of these things. Now, you can't get those things flipped around. You can't begin to think, oh, I've got to serve Jesus as my Lord so he'll be my Savior. No, he's your Savior by the grace of God. But when you accept him as Savior, you also accept him as Lord. Many people do this only in word. You know, or, or simply they simply want to believe that Jesus is going to rescue them from salvation, but the, they don't want any judgment on the way they live their life. They just want to live their life any way they want to, any way they wish. So the question is, is if you call yourself a Christian, where has your life really changed? Have you really accepted him as Lord of your life as well as Savior? The evidence of being born again is the new heart that brings change into a person's life. That you begin to see the change of God inside of you. So Paul writes about our battle. And the battle that we fight, the struggle that we fight, is for our souls and for men's souls. It, it, is, it is a battle that determines the eternal destiny of mankind. Our destinies as we surrender our life to Christ and the destinies of those around us. In Luke chapter 19, Jesus said, the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. That's why he came into this earth. There are no higher standards. There's no higher goal than for souls to be saved. So here's a couple of questions for you. Are you living in peace right now? I mean, is just everything just kind of okay? Listen, here's what I've learned in the, in the last years about this. God gives us this peace that passes understanding because we pray and because we trust his word. But in the middle of that peace that passes understanding, there's this passion and flame of God that drives us, pushes us to be changed and transformed and see others change and transform. In 2 Corinthians 10, again, it says, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. He doesn't make this an option and say, Well, you might be in a war, you might not be in a war. He's telling us you are in a war, you're on a battlefield. And so my question to you is, are you at peace with the condition of your souls? Are you at peace with the condition of the soul of your friends and of your family? Have you just kind of settled with some of them that have no evidence of Christ in their life at all? You just kind of settle, oh, that's just the way it is. Are you at peace with the direction of our culture? Have you just kind of looked and said, well, you know, there's nothing we can do about it. It's an overwhelming force. It's going a different way than we want to go. And you've kind of just kind of sat back and said, well, I'm just at peace with it. I'm, I'm, I don't like it, but what else can I do? See, I would tell you, if you're, if you're ignorant of the Word of God or you've compromised to the world in your faith, that gives us the ability to sleep on. We can relax we can sit back, we can look at our children or grandchildren wandering far from God, and we can excuse it away and say, oh, it'll be okay. We can look at our culture and our friends wandering far from God and have no burning flame in our spirit to do anything about it. 
We can relax and put on the comforts of life and put those at the center of our choices and the center of our, of our drive in life and go on with life and not even worry a bit, not be moved a bit, be prayerless, be effortless in the middle of the day. However, if you look at the Word of God and maybe you match up your family and your friends' lives with what the Word of God says, Maybe you match up, begin to match up our culture with what the Word of God says. It will naturally, by the Spirit of God, stir a discomfort in your spirit. It will stir you to not only say, I don't like this, but it will stir you to begin to say, I've got to do something about this. I've got to get involved in this. How do we respond to this inner turmoil? Well, Paul's telling us right here, our battle is not against flesh and blood. When the inner man gets stirred to the point of helpless desperation, it either gives up or it turns to the one thing God tells us can change everything. It turns to prayer. It's a shame that it takes that in our life to turn us to prayer because, again, the greatest goal of prayer is our own personal intimacy with God. But sometimes the only way God can turn us is when we begin to get stirred about things around us that we know are not the way they should be. 2 Corinthians 10.4 says, For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. I've seen parents try to fight the battle for their children's souls in the flesh, and it just doesn't work. Sometimes as a church, we try to battle the battle of our culture in the flesh, and it just doesn't get us any place. It doesn't move any. If anything, it makes people more angry at us. Because, see, the real battlefield isn't in the flesh. The real battlefield is in the spirit that affects the flesh, the spirit that moves the culture, the spirit that holds the individual. And that's why Paul goes on to write, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. How do we do that? We do that with the divine Power, the divine strength of God moving through our life, doing his will in our life to bring about change. So what are, what are some of those weapons? Well, one of them is faith. Hebrews 11, 1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of, th- of things not seen. Faith keeps us and delivers us from hopelessness. It delivers us from this place of giving up. Faith delivers us from this place of saying, well, my kid's never going to change, or my grandkid is what they are, or this culture is going the way it's going to go. There's nothing I can do. Faith says, no, there is something we can do about it. Faith builds us and strengthens us and moves in us as we put our trust in God's word and we see what God has done in the past when we look at our own life and see things that hold our own life and we say, I know these shouldn't be in me. I guess I, guess I just have to learn to live with this. Faith says, no, you can be set free from these things. This thing that I face is not the final chapter in the book. The force that has a hold is not 
more powerful than my God. Faith keeps whispering, all is not lost, God can still move. And we have to put on faith and know the word of God. The promises that we find in the word of God are a weapon of divine power. Second Peter says this, his, his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who's called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. These promises, God's word is true. I want you to get this picture uh, you go home today, and some of you people, you, you're, you're great bakers. You know, I love great bakers. I love German chocolate cake. You don't have to make me one unless you really feel led of the Lord to. And then, of course, bring it on. Um, but some people are, are, are really great. You know, they, when they bake, they, they, uh, you know, they, they start with just a bunch of ingredients, and by scratch, they bake. Now, I... I, I've baked a few things in my life. It's all come out of boxes. And so here's the reality. If I take that box and I empty it into a big bowl and it tells me put a couple of eggs in it and stir some milk in it or stir some water in it and stir it all up and mix it up real good and put it in a pan. I, you know, I've just followed the instructions and now with the heat of that oven, it's going to turn into a, hopefully a beautiful cake. But all I've done is follow the instructions. Here's the call to us, Christian. God has given us the instructions. He's told us how to make the cake. He's put everything in the box for us. He's made it ready for us. All we've got to do is follow these instructions. I can do that. It's still good. It's still good. But God's done the heavy lifting. He's put all the stuff there for us. But I've got to hold on to those promises. If we follow the instructions of God, God will do the heavy lifting. So I, I want to encourage you. Be faithful to the promises. Now, one, one more thing. Can you guess what it is? Prayer. Hebrews eleven six 6 says, And without faith it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Excuse me. In prayer, we engage all the forces that influence the world around us. God tells us that there is a spiritual conspiracy afoot. It's going on all around us. He tells us people, flesh and blood, are not the enemy. Flesh and blood are people under the influence of spiritual forces all around them. You're either a slave to righteousness or you're a slave to unrighteousness. We can argue, we can attack, and we make very little change. We can give up, we can feel frustrated. We do that because we're, we're facing the wrong way in the battle. We're facing the flesh instead of facing the spirit. I, I, want, you to, I want you to take note of this. Here's something for your prayer list. In almost every book that Paul writes, almost every one, he appeals for the people to pray for him that his message will be effective and bring people to life in Christ. 
Think about that. He was asking, pray for me so that my message will be effective. It'll bring people to Christ. It'll teach them how to serve God. Here we are 2,000 years later. And what's happening? Paul's message is still bringing people to Christ and still teaching people how to grow in Christ. This is the power of prayer. In the early days of the church, Paul was a terror. The church had heard about him. Do you think that maybe they prayed for him? Maybe they just prayed that he'd shut up or he'd lose his influence. But God did something different on that Damascus road. God transformed him. God did a work in his life. Listen, the person you know who's the most antagonistic person uh, against Christ, they're the furthest from Christ of anybody that you know, is no further than Paul was. And God was able to move in his life. In Psalm 126, this is an in your notes, you may want to write this verse down. Psalm 126, verse 4. Uh, the psalmist writes, restore our fortunes, O Lord, like the streams of the Negev. He, he's praying, restore our fortunes. He's, he's asking God for something. And then it goes on to say this verse that many of you have heard. Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. Listen. This verse is about prayer. The person who goes, how do you go out sowing? You go out sowing in tears when you go out praying, seeking God, asking God to move in this situation, pouring your heart out to God. You go out sowing in, te in tears, and he says when you do that, when you let the Spirit of God move in you to this point where you are broken for the world that you live in or for the loved one that you know who is far from God, he says if you go out sowing in tears, you're going to reap with shouts of joy. If you go out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, praying and seeking God, you shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. He's letting us know that the first step of the victory is us having this burden in our heart that lets us cry out to God, restore our fortunes. Restore our fortunes. 2 Corinthians verse one, chapter 1, verse 5 says, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God to take every thought captive to obey Christ. We try to do that by arguing. We try to do that by, you know, our logic. We try to do that by pointing out the Scripture, and we find ourselves coming up against that wall. Why? Because we haven't won the battle at the right place. The battle first gets won in the spiritual realm when we pray, God, destroy these arguments. God, help us reveal yourself to these people. Come against the opinions of this world and reveal your opinions. God, take every thought captive for Christ. We begin to destroy the influence of the enemy when we invade the spiritual realm that Christ has called us to. When does that happen? When does it take place? When does that take place? When our obedience is complete. When we let those things happen in us. When we get transformed. When we allow God to move in our lives. So, are you going to be comfortable? Or are you going to be uncomfortable? Listen, 
I'd rather be a little uncomfortable and be driven to prayer and see the people I love come to Christ. I'm going to tell you a, a parable, a modern day parable. Close with this today. There's a rich man, Christian man, very, very, very wealthy. But he loved God. And as he raised his children, he tried to point them to the things of God, but he had a son who had no real interest in the things of God. He kept talking to him. He kept trying to influence him. But eventually the boy grows up, and he goes to college. And while he's at college, university, his interest in God goes even less. But the dad, the dad wants him to know God. The dad keeps talking to him. And the boy gets a little annoyed. But finally, as the boy reaches the point of graduation, he asks, the dad asks him what he wants for, uh, uh, what, what he really wants for uh, graduation. And he tells him he wants, there's this new car that they have, and it's well within the dad's reach to easily get him this new car, trade his old car, get this new car, easily within his reach. But the dad says, man, that's a, that's a pretty big gift, son, but, um, you know, I'll think about that. Graduation day comes, and they have a little party, and the dad gives him a gift. It's a little box. He opens it up, and in this box is a Bible. And there's a note on it, and the note says, Son, all the good things I have in life, all the great things I have in my spirit, I owe to this book. I want you to have all the great things I've had. I want you to have all the great things that have taken place in my life. And I want to I encourage you to, I want to give this to you as a special gift to you so that you would read it and study it and know the goodness of God. I would encourage you, I would encourage you to especially read John chapter 3 because it talks about our, our need to have Christ in our life and how God loved us so much. And I want to encourage you to think about it. The boy looked at the gift, and instead of being grateful for it, he, he was angry. He, he just saw it as another way of his father trying to control his life and make him do things he didn't want to do. He had already accepted a job in another city, and he's at home for a few days, but then he leaves home and heads for his new job. It was a pretty cool time between he and his dad. And when he left, in his anger, he left the Bible sitting on the dresser in his bedroom. Didn't even take it with him. The relationship over the next few years only grows worse. The, the son finds himself growing in bitterness towards his dad because of this gift. And the dad keeps trying to encourage him, but the son is angry. After a number of years go by, very unexpectedly, the father dies. The son comes home from the funeral, and he's home for the funeral. They have the services. And on the day after the services, the boy's getting ready to go back to where he he lives and his work, and his mom comes in. And lo and behold, she has the Bible in her hand. 
And she says, the last time, you know, when you, when you moved from it, you forgot to take your dad's gifts. And he said, look, that's just another way of my dad trying to control me. I don't want to be controlled. I want to do life the way I want it. It just makes me mad that he gave me that instead of giving me what I wanted. And she said, well, before you leave, I want you to do one thing for me. I want you to read John chapter 3. While we sit here, will you read John chapter 3? And the boy said, well, Mom, for you I will. When he opens the Bible to John chapter 3, there's another note there. And the note says, son, I love you. I I want you to come to the fullness of the knowledge of Christ. I hope you'll read this passage and really begin to seek him. Then after you do, drive down to the car dealership and hand the guy, hand Pete your keys. Your new car is waiting for you. Friends, how many times has God given us a simple instruction that all the things in life, all the riches that he wants to restore to us are right before us, but we keep the book closed. When we hear it, we don't want to do it God's way. Hear me. Hear your pastor today. Prayer, seeking God in your personal life, growing in intimacy with him will transform you and set you free from all the junk this world has ever done to you. And seeking God and bringing his divine power to bear on the areas of your life, you will go out weeping, but you will come home rejoicing because the power of God is greater than all the power of this world. The question is, is will we open the book and do it? Will we follow Christ? When that happens, when we pray, he moves in our life. We're wrapping up 35 days of prayer this week. I don't know what this is going to look like in the future. I have some ideas, but I don't know. I just know we live in a desperate day. And and here's what I know for certain. I'm going to continue to pray every night from now until at least the 1st of March. And you're invited to come and join me any night of the week you want. As long as I'm healthy and I'm in town, I'm going to be here. And I'm going to come and I'm going to pray. Because, see, I, want to try, I have some things that are troubling me about what's going on in our world. I have some things I'm really uncomfortable. I've got some loved ones and some friends that are far from him. And there's some arguments, there's some strongholds that need to be destroyed. They need to be tore down. And I want to reap what God has for me. And I want to encourage you to. If you're not satisfied, if you feel like life is falling short on some of the purposes of God, if you are concerned about our culture, then ask God what he would have you to do and come and join us. What are you willing to do to see change? Let's stand together today and let's pray. Fathers, we wrap up this call of being a people of prayer. 
Lord, I, I just know this is going to continue in, our, in, in the future that we are called to be these people who fight on the spiritual level. That there's nothing impossible for you. Many things impossible for us. Nothing impossible for you. And I just pray in these next couple of moments you'd speak to us in Jesus' name. As every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm going to ask you three questions. I'm going to ask you to pray them and ask them to God. Here's the first question. God, are there any issues in my life that I should be praying about? Let's go ahead and ask the Lord that for a second and wait. Here's question number two. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Just take, your, take a moment with God. God, what would you have my personal prayer time look like? Question number three. Father, how, how would you have me join with others in these prayer times? Here's the, the, the danger in the first question. God, what are the issues in my life I should be praying about? The danger is, is that we, God begins to speak to us and we silence him. We push him aside and say, no, that's not it. Here's the danger in, in God, what do you have my prayer to look like is we hear it and we don't respond to it. We just casually approach it. And here's the danger in question number three is, well, I just don't have time to do this. We've got to ask ourselves what's the most important things in our life. Father, I, I pray as a church that just let us mature in our walk with you. Help our individual lives, Father, to be formed in the image of your Son and to live for his glory. And help us not to be a people of hopelessness, but let us be a people of faith. Speak to our hearts today and touch our hearts today in Jesus' name. Today we receive communion. We talked about the cross and the work of the cross. No one comes to the Father but by Jesus. Are you certain you're ready to do that? Just say, Pastor, I want to make sure my heart's right with God. I'm not sure it is. Would you just raise your hand right now and say, pray for me right now. Anyone here today? I'm just waiting just a minute. 
give you a chance to ask Christ into your life today. God bless you and you. God bless you. Let's all pray this prayer together. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And I ask you to help me to live for him who died for me. I put trust in Jesus to be my Lord. I put my faith in Jesus to be my Savior. Now I ask you to help me to live for him who died for me. In Jesus' name, amen. And ask the prayer teams to come down the front and uh, our prayer teams that, that help me sometimes come over here to the, my left side, your right side. Here's what we're going to do in the next couple minutes. We believe prayer changes things. We believe that agreement and prayer has power to it. We talked about this last week, amen? And uh, I'm going to ask you as, if you have a need in your life to come down and let somebody uh, pray with you. Now, if you're some of the folks who raised your hand for salvation, while others are coming, you come over. I'm going to be right over here on this, on this, my left side, your right side. As others are coming, you come on down. This is an important step in this process for you, for us to really give you some information that will help you. But listen, if you got things going, maybe you have a grandson, granddaughter going, man, they're really going off the deep end. Maybe you have a son or daughter just far, far from God. Maybe you have a friend or a neighbor. Maybe, maybe you just got some big questions in life you're trying to get some answers to. You just need a touch of God or Maybe you're going through a, a health issue. Don't sit back. Come and let somebody agree with you and pray with you. So right now as we sing this song, you come on down, and I'll be over here to this side, and all the other prayer teams will be down here. Come let somebody pray with you. We love you. Hey, never give up. Christ has already won the victory. Amen? Amen.